Hey everyone, this is Blake. Just a quick note before the start of the show, I would like to hear your ideas. If you head over to halfhourintern.com, at the top there is a link that says submit your ideas. If you yourself do a cool or interesting job or hobby or you know someone who does, you can submit it through there. As well, if you have a question that you wish that I had asked a previous guest of the show, you can submit those there as well. And about once a month, I'll be doing a frequently asked questions show where I go over missed opportunities for questions from interviews. So thank you in advance for for all of your ideas and onto the show. I feel like when you get, get that, it's sort of similar for everyone. Just being, you know, it's kind of the human experience. Like whenever you find out what it is you really want to do and then you go do it, like that's, that's really, I think that's a big part of growing up and becoming an adult. I want to be my current self from this point forward. I want to learn how to play piano. Working with human beings, drinking wine in the middle of the day. I want to be a Track driver. I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. What's up, everybody? This is Blake Fletcher, the Half Hour Intern. In today's episode, I interview one of my personal music icons, Rocky Votolato. If you guys don't know who Rocky Votolato is, he is a singer-songwriter that makes some of the most beautiful, soulful, folky music you will ever hear. Actually, back when I was in college, I was a huge Rocky Votolato fan, and I had a job as a pizza delivery driver, and anytime it was kind of a little bit more cloudy outside, I was always put on Rocky's album, Makers, which is a beautiful album, and to this day, when I'm walking by a pizza joint and I smell pizza, I have songs off that album pop immediately into my head, so Rocky Votolato will forever be synonymous with pizza in my mind. So in this episode, we'll discuss how he got his start art and music, how he got his first record deal, and what it's like touring on the road as you get older amongst a whole slew of other things. So without further ado, here is Musician with Rocky Votolato. Rocky, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. So I have to tell you, I, I am a big fan of yours. If you were to tell my high school or college age self that I would be hosting you on a show of mine one day, I would have absolutely flipped out. So seriously, thank you so much for this. This is great. This is great. Oh, that's awesome, man. I'm, I'm happy to be here. So thanks for having me. Yeah. So talk to us about your um, starting out as a musician. Take us way back to growing up. And at what age did you really, really start to consider being a musician when you became an adult and kind of what steps did you then try to start taking in order to make becoming a musician a reality for yourself? You know, my uncle used to come over to family gatherings and like the holidays and play guitar around the house. And, uh, it was my, my mom's brother, uncle David. He was a, he's a truck driver. He's still a truck driver down in Texas. And he, uh, he just had an old acoustic guitar and he would come over and play like, you know, Dylan covers, Beatles songs and some David Allen Coe and <laughs> Hank Williams and that kind of thing. And so that was, that, those were early memories of seeing someone playing guitar and thinking it was amazing and thinking, oh, wow, I'd, lo- I'd love to be able to do that someday. Yeah, you know? for sure. So I'm sorry, uh, how old were you during this time period? I was, I was pretty young. I mean, that was like, you know, all the way growing up, like as, as far back as I could remember from like being like seven or eight. Okay. You know, those are my early experiences of, you know, the first time I was around music, live, any kind of live music. But when I was 13, um, my older brother had a friend who, because we, we moved to Houston for one year 
Um, I grew up in a small town called Frost, Texas, outside of Dallas. And we moved to Houston when I was 13. And my brother had a friend that played guitar, my older brother. And I, when I saw him play, that, that's what really did it for me. Because he, my, my older brother played with him, and you know, I wanted to be cool like those guys. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's it funny just... <laughs> how much of that there is when you're young that you just see it and it looks just so cool, you know, and you just want to be cool. Yeah. That's it, man. I mean, it just kind of, it was so magical to me, just the way, like he, he did a lot of finger picking on acoustic guitar and kind of had like a Simon and Garfunkel approach to the way he wrote. This this guy, um, his, name was, his name was James. He was just, a, he never really went on to have a career in music, but he was a really great guitar player and a good friend of my older brother's. And and so the, I was just really, really inspired and I, I, I wanted to learn really bad. So I started pestering my mom to get me a, a guitar and that went on for uh, I think about a year before she finally bought me my first guitar in a pawn shop in Houston, Texas. And um, I remember it was two hundred bucks, and it was kind of this crappy ovation style <laughs> guitar yeah. that yeah, yeah. that I would never buy, you know. But it was it was just like a you know a rickety starter, and I I really took it seriously, you know. I worked on it a lot, and I I um, I just spent hours and hours with that thing, just you know really working on learning how to play. And, and did your and brother's sure friend then kind of influence songs. you early on, like in terms of writing and playing and stuff like that? You mentioned him finger picking and his style of music and yeah. stuff like that. Absolutely. Yeah. I picked things up from him that I kind of stole and <laughs> incorporated into the way I play. And uh, um, yeah, it was a huge influence, you know, and from there I just, uh, I started writing songs. I don't know if I'm different from a lot of other people, but I basically just right from the beginning, just you know, had this feeling that I could write songs. I think it's because uh, he wrote songs and my older brother wrote songs. And I just, you know, it didn't seem like, you know, it was that hard. I was like, okay, that's, that looks like something I could do. And, um, you know, I, I, I learned a bunch of cover songs as well. I think uh, like a Credence song was the first thing I ever actually learned how to play all the way through. Um, but uh, what's that song? Um, I want to know. Have you ever seen The Rain? That's yeah. the first one I ever yeah, learned. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I learned that. And then I and then I learned uh, Don't Think Twice by Bob Dylan, off the free wheel and Bob Dylan, uh, which is still one of my favorite albums of all time. But, um, but yeah, I, I started out with all those influences. And, you know, from there, we moved up to Seattle. And when I got up to Seattle, that had a huge influence on me as well. Started going to shows. And from there, that's when I really decided, hey, this is something I want to do with my life. Yeah. Definitely. So have you ever had any jobs outside of being a musician or it, this just happened for you early on and that was it? You know, for me, I did actually I had a whole string of jobs um, before, you know, being a musician really became a reality for work for me. But um, I started out, I worked a bunch of different restaurants. I kind of did everything. I was, I worked, uh, yeah, I worked at Subway. I worked, I I went to labor ready. I did construction. I did roofing for a while. I worked in a soup factory. I mean, you name it. I had, <laughs> yeah, I had you've had a lot of crazy of jobs. <laughs> yeah, I did. I just kind of bounced around and had a lot of jobs when I was going to college because um, I, I went to the University of Washington. I got my degree in English literature and I just worked a lot through college, um, you know, to get a car and just, just, you know, keep myself going and, Talk to me about, I imagine as a young person that was really into music, was there kind of a, 
any decision there for you in terms of just trying to tour straight out of high school or going to college or you just had already decided I'm going to go to school? Absolutely. It was a really tough choice, but I, I, I just always had this thing where I, I just wanted to get a degree. You know, I kind of wanted, I guess in the back of my mind, I wanted to have something to fall back on just in case, you know, music didn't work out. And I, and I, I had the opportunity uh, luckily, my my stepdad at the time was uh, you know, was helping me pay for it, and and was really supportive. And my parents really were were pushing me and wanted me to go. They they were supportive of my music aspirations as well, but they wanted me to have that degree, and I wanted it too. So, um, you know, I just I just went ahead and went straight out of high school, went straight to the University of Washington, got my degree in four years, um, and then from there, you know, by the was out of college though I already was married with with two kids and so you know for me being a young father and husband and you know it was a it was a real struggle at that point to you know still try to pursue a career in music which is what I always knew from the time I was 13 you know, yeah. I knew that's pretty much what I wanted to do I didn't know how to realize it but I had a really strong drive I mean I was playing in three different projects and in, in college and you know, I was yeah, that's what I was going to ask. So you were playing shows <laughs> when you were at college. You were playing shows near University of Washington. Yeah, yeah, I was playing shows all over Seattle, both um, under the Rocky Volato solo project and with my band at the time, which was Waxwing. And we were more of like a hard edge kind of uh, you know punk influenced band. But we we you know under with both projects, I was doing pretty well and starting to get some local attention and selling out shows and. You know, so there was a, a budding career there, and I, I was, uh, I was really torn. You know, because I also just the financial responsibilities of of having a family young, and and um, you know, so when I was just out of college, I did work pretty regular jobs. Like once I got my degree, I worked at a software company for a while, um, and I was, you know, I just was doing the grind, like kind of working a lot in my sort of quote real job, but then also pursuing my a music career on the side. And do you like, feel that that was influenced a lot because of the fact that you had a family already? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I know if, if I hadn't have, I would have just been on the road sooner, you know, or out just, just trying to make the, the dream of being a musician happen. Uh, but I had some other things, you know, that were kind of, uh, you know, they were just other priorities at the time that were slowing me down from really just putting everything into that. And I, I, I'm really grateful for that. I feel like it shaped the kind of songs I made and the decisions I'm, I, I made at that time. And, you know, it made me work a little bit harder, I think, for it. Um, and, and when I started to get things rolling with my music, I really appreciated it. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't really just handed to me. I had to, I had to really struggle for it and work for it, um, which I think is true for most people that end up with some kind of success in, in any line of work, really. But um, but yeah, it made it that much sweeter when I finally did, you know, quit the, the day job and <laughs> head out on the road and, you know, just, uh, you know, just take it real seriously. And yeah, and you never, you never took it for granted at all. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was a good, really good thing to get out of the office, you know, and just get out and start playing shows. Yeah. So take me through getting your first record deal. How does that go down? Like, how does somebody hear about you and like the emotion of getting a record deal for the first time? You know, for me, it was the very first 
deal that I got was it was with a really small label out of Kansas City, Missouri, and it happened. It, it wasn't through anything I did. Like basically, I just I just recorded some demos and I uh, I kind of passed those around in Seattle to some friends. And then um, a girl that got a hold of that demo and really liked it moved out to Kansas City and started dating a guy there that owned a record label. And he heard the demo and got in touch with me and just said, "Hey, I really want to put out your music. You know, would you would you be, want to um, you know sign a, a three record deal and and go in the studio?" And I was I was so excited, man. I, I couldn't believe it, you know, because I hadn't like solicited you know the label or anything. I just basically was just working on songs and and trying to you know make recordings and and spread those around in Seattle. Yeah. And so, I mean, I was so excited about it, um, and that's kind of where it all started. That was Second Nature Recordings. Um, Man, that's so that's so interesting, and that's so cool. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. I mean, it just it happens so differently for every artist. You know, all my friends, every everybody's got a different story, but for me, it was just really with the music and just continuing to make songs and put them out. And I think that's how it happens a lot. Um, when I got signed to Barsook Records after that. That was kind of a, a big step up in terms of like the size of the record label and the exposure and everything. That was on my fourth album, so I'd already done three records for uh, for Second Nature, and um, so I signed with Barsook. So was I that remember, Makers out on Barsook, or was that yeah? Su- okay, uh, yeah, Makers Suicide Medicine was my last album, and my contract was Second Nature, and then um, and I had kind of already gotten a fan base around the country at that point and, and sort of built something, you know, so I, I was able to uh, get the attention of a label like Barsook. And, and I actually, in that case, I did, I gave, I gave the owner of the label um, my demos for, for that album that I had recorded. Mm-hmm. And luckily he really liked them and he came back to me and he, and he, he liked the, he liked the demos a lot, but he, he was like, Hey, why don't you write, just write a few more songs and, you know, and, and then let's keep talking. And I did that. And then, um, you know, that was really good for me too. Cause that, some of my favorite songs on the record came out of that. Um, and so I, once that was done, you know, he heard the new songs and he was like, yes, absolutely. Let's sign a, re- a three record deal. And, and then I, I signed with Barsook and, you know, I, I finished up that contract already. And, <laughs> but, uh, it's amazing how, how things move, but yeah, it was, that was really huge for me. How many how many albums do you have total now? So Hospital Handshakes, which just came out on No Sleep Records, is my eighth full length record, if you believe it. <laughs> is that I imagine that's gotta be really crazy for you to yeah. to know that you have eight records. It is, yeah. It's a good feeling. I mean it's it's definitely um you know, it's just interesting to look back and, and just see, wow, like so much of my life has been captured by the by the songs, you know, it's like, there's a, there's a trail I can trace back through the time periods of my life and, uh, and where I was at kind of for each record cycle now. But, uh, but I look at, you know, some of my friends like, uh, you know, Damien Gerardo, have you heard his music? I have not. No. Yeah. He's another really, really great, uh, songwriter from Seattle. Uh, and he's got like, I don't know, we've been doing it about the same amount of time. I think he's on his 12th album. Whoa. So he he's moving even faster than me, and <laughs> that's crazy. You know, it, it makes me feel like I'm just not getting enough songs written. But uh, <laughs> but no, I, f- I feel really good about it. Like I I'm really happy with Hospital Handshakes, and you know it's been really well received in the press, and my fans seem to really like it. So yeah, just happy man. to be still rolling. 
Yeah, I love it. It, it sounds so, it, so it's funny. And I, I had been reading online people talking about how you were just saying, um, that, you know, listening back to your albums and stuff, you can kind of hear in the lyrics and the feel just, you know, where you were at emotionally and whatever else with your life at the time. And they were talking about hospital handshakes, just kind of the more, um, positive, I guess, or, or upbeat vibe. And they were talking about that, that, that lyrically speaking, but I, I feel like also your, your voice is more like upbeat than, than I feel like I've ever heard it before. Is that, am I just imagining that or is there anything to that? I, I think that's, that's definitely the truth. I, I feel like there's something going on there. Like I just, I, I'm singing differently. I don't know how or why, like it's basically just things are constantly changing, you know, with the, with the, the way I'm inspired and the way I approach writing and performing. And I think it's really just come out of doing so many shows. Like the, you know, the more you do anything, like you, you kind of work on your craft and it changes and evolves. And like, I just really, really love singing. And I think that shows on this record more than any, it's just that, you know, like I have a little bit more control of my voice and, and it's just, you know, it's, it's in a place that I really, um, I really like right now. So hopefully that's what, you're noticing, I mean, hopefully it's a good thing. <laughs> Don't, yeah, no. And certainly there's like a lot more range and it's a lot more dynamic and everything. And, and even from song to song on the new album, your voice will sound different. <laughs> like on, on one song, I'll be like, Oh wow. You know, he sounds kind of like this guy. And then on the next, the next song, I'll be like, Oh, now he sounds kind of like this guy. It's uh, <laughs> it's, it's interesting. Yeah, it is interesting the way it changes. You know, I, when I hear some of my older recordings, I can't believe it's me. You know, I'm just like, wow. <laughs> Have you noticed that about bands though? Because I I noticed that about bands I love too. Like it's 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 kind of crazy. The voice is this living instrument, you know, and it just totally because the because the person is changing. Yeah, and, you know, they're they're going through different experiences. They're at different phase in their life, and and just just physically getting older or whatever. Like the you know, it just it just changes the quality of it. Is it can almost sound like a totally different person from album to album. Yeah, definitely. And I love, I love bands that have a, a vocalist that will evolve like that. Um, cause a lot of times you hear the music in, in a band evolve, but when the vocals are also evolving, it, it just really gives you, um, something new and exciting to look forward to, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So you were mentioning the whole entire writing process and everything as well. So talk a little bit about that. Cause I, I think you have some of the most unbelievably beautiful lyrics consistently that I've ever heard. And it gives me so much respect for you as a musician, like your use of analogy and metaphor and personification is just incredibly poetic. And I mean, you just mentioned that you were an English major, so uh, maybe that had something to do with it. Um, but do you like set aside time to write or do you just, when something comes up in your head, you'll jot that down? Yeah, you know, for me, it's it's. I've never been able to really nail it down to a method. Like, I I think that you know, going getting my degree in English literature definitely influenced me, and I I've always been really interested in poetry and writing, and I read a lot. So you know, I think that playing with words is really how I started relating to music, and still for me, that's where things start. You know, as far as my process goes, I'm always writing. Like even in the car every day, I at least have a couple ideas for work, you know, just like a line or two, or maybe I'll get a whole thing that looks, that resembles a poem. Uh, I don't really write poems per se, but I, I, I make little ideas that, that are poems essentially that I turn into lyrics. Yeah. And 
Um, you know, and so that's probably why I feel like that's, that's where songs start for me. And that's, what's most interesting, like how I'm drawn into ideas, uh, is just playing with words and it's, so it's really cool then to take those and then try singing them because it's kind of amazing what you can get away with. Like some, some things when they're written down, um, they look really great, but then when you try to sing them, it's, it's awkward or it doesn't sound right, or you have to change the words. And some things that you sing, when you write them down, they look kind of simple or stupid. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a weird translation process between like what I think is really awesome and compelling in terms of written words, and then what I think equals that when I, when I try to turn it into a song. But it, goes, it always goes through an evolution. Like it, it, almost, it almost never stays where the idea started. Um, but that's the, that's the spark for me. That's the initial inspiration is always with the words. Um, I just love it. I love how writers, you know, can turn a phrase and it just, it just hits home or it captures a feeling. And uh, or if, that's what even I'm if it's to just do. so intelligent and poignant, there's there's so much of the time when I'm listening to um, your music or any other lyricist that I really appreciate, and I'll I'll hear a line of theirs, and even if it's a line that's really sad or or whatever it is, I'll just like smile from ear to ear just because it's so <laughs> I like it just makes me so happy that they even thought that up, you know, to to say that in that way. It, it, it's just yeah, genius yeah. sometimes. I totally know how you feel, man. I, I that's that's what I love about music too. I mean, there's so much of it that there's so many reasons why I love, you know, being a musician and I listen to music all the time, but, but that's it. I mean, it's like when somebody just nails a line, I think that there's nothing better than that. And if they're singing it with a, in a really cool way with a, with an awesome voice, like that's, you know, that's, that's why I love songwriters. Yeah, definitely, man. So talk to us. This is something that I am most interested in with, um, a musician and I'm really happy that I'm interviewing you somebody who is eight albums out and has been in the game for quite a long time is what is it like to be a touring musician as you get older? I mean, especially with kids, I it, like, I, does that get more and more difficult every year that you get older? You know, what's strange is, I mean, I've gone through periods where it felt really difficult and, and you know, I'm not going to lie, like it's, it's definitely a struggle and has been in the past. But what's interesting for me is, at least over the last, uh, just, you know, since Hospital Handshakes has come out and this album cycle, like I'm in a place where things have gotten easier. Like I, I feel like because my expectations now are more realistic and I kind of know what, it, what the game is and what I'm out here to do and what my priorities are, like I've, I just really enjoy it. You know, and it's it's not a glamour. It's not as glamorous of a job, on, you know, as it seems on the surface to everybody. Like, there's a lot of hard work, and like, you know, like average drive time is like six to seven hours per day yeah. you know, in the car, and and you're you know you're up early, you're out late at night. You know, we get out of the clubs late, um, but it's it's all worth it to me. Like, I kind of know why I'm doing it, and and for me, it's really about the connection with, with the fans and you know, just that impact that it can have on people's lives and just that I have a real sense of purpose around it, you know, so, so it's worth all the sacrifice that comes with it. And when I was younger, I didn't really get that or understand that. And so I think in that way, you know, being a little bit older, maybe a little wiser about how I do it too, um, has helped me to, uh, enjoy it more and, you know, just, just, uh, take the good parts of it and, and not focus so much or, or get worn down by the, 
identify the, the parts of it that aren't that awesome. Definitely. I mean, that's the, the whole trick to becoming an adult is just trying to have more and more perspective every day about your life, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. You, men- you mentioned kind of treating it differently as you get older. What do you mean by that? Like less drinking out on tour or, or what do you mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm completely sober now. So I, I, I quit drinking and drugging and doing anything like that in 2011. So, um, I had already kind of slowed down from it, um, from when I started when I was younger. Um, and I think you can kind of hear that and feel that in the, in the albums too, but um, but yeah, that's, that was huge for me. Just being like completely sober makes it, makes the job easier. You yeah. know, if you're, if you're drinking a case of beer every night and expecting to still be able to function and, you know, write good songs and, and just go to work and put yeah. on good shows. <laughs> yeah. I mean, being a good spot crazy. emotionally to, to handle all that. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and a lot of that was, you know, I, I went through a lot of therapy and a lot of, um, you know, just, just soul searching and, and reflection and just figured out some things about myself and, and what I, you know, how to cope with the stresses of this kind of lifestyle and job. And, and, um, you know, and so now my mental health is like, is a, is a priority. You know, I know, I know I need to get a certain amount of sleep. I need to drink water. Like there was just, there's so many things when you're a young, dumb kid and you just head out on tour you think it's just a party all the time. <laughs> yeah. And you just, you know, you can make a lot of mistakes, which I, I think I made all of them. So, <laughs> so, uh, let me know, do you have any advice that you would give for like a young person starting out right now that, um, was maybe playing some local shows? Like what advice I guess would you give them in trying to make a career in the music industry? You know, I would say that's a great question. Um, these days I feel like there's so much you can do on your own. I feel like a lot of kids, they, they kind of have this dream of, well, they'll just get discovered, you know, like something's going to come along and somebody's just going to, the right person's going to hear it. And then all of a sudden they're going to become a star or something. And I I don't know for sure that that doesn't happen, but I don't, but I I don't think it happens all the time. And I think (laughs) it's, it's, it's more likely that these days with the way the business is and just how much is going on out there. The better thing is to figure out what you're really inspired by and just get busy doing it. Totally. You know, start start writing songs. Get a get a, a recording software on your computer on your laptop. It's incredibly inexpensive to do it these days. I mean, you can even start with GarageBand on a Mac and just you can make some really great sounding recordings. And if you're really passionate about it, um, you know, other people around you'll see it and and you can um, you can do a lot with social media too and you know, I'm still, I'm self-managed right now. So I'm, I'm kind of handling all the business side myself. I have a label and I have a publicist and a booking agent, but, um, you know, I think taking a DIY approach is, is really where you have to start these days. And, and there's nothing wrong with it. You know, I think it's in the end, it just teaches you about the the business and, you know, you, you end up with more control over your career and what's going on in the long run. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and to what you said, just really focus on making music that you're passionate about and that, that hopefully is good. I mean, people have such access to be able to find your music now if you are actually passionate and you're actually putting out good music. But, you know, if you're just sitting there trying to wait for the day that you become famous, that's probably not the best way to do it. Yeah, I, I think that's that's, yeah, definitely a, a pipe dream at this point. And like, you know, and then getting out and just playing shows, like getting 
you get good at whatever you do a lot. You know, I think that's true in any field. So if you can somehow just, you know, I booked my own first few tours, you know, myself. So I was pretty ambitious. You know, I, I was, this was before cell phones were even around and, you know, I was using like a real map to get around. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think, you know, the, the tools are all there these days to do it. Um, and just having realistic expectations and setting like, you know, small goals for yourself and just, and, and just working really hard and remembering that you, you just have to stay inspired. It's all about creating more and more content these days. You know, I think that's, that's even how I see it is just, you know, like just keep making quality music and, um, and then just keep working hard. You know, I, I, it's amazing how you just have to keep at it. it no matter what level you're at. I feel like that's, that's the way to keep creating some kind of success. Yeah, totally. I mean, to your point about these days, unless you are somebody on the level of like a Justin Timberlake or something like that, no one's waiting five years for your next album to come out. Like, or, you know, five years passes, <laughs> nobody remembers really who you are anymore. You know, it's kind of right. too late. Like you got to keep the fish on the hook, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a, there's a lot of a static, you know, and I've noticed that too, is it's just, it's, people are more and more ADD. And if you want to keep building a business, yeah, you just have to keep, keep working at it. And, um, yeah. So I don't know if that's good advice or, or what, but <laughs> I think it's great advice. Uh, okay, if, good. if you could really quickly, I know your most recent tour before your current, current tour was a living room tour. And here in San Francisco, I've seen a few flyers for tours like this lately. So tell us about that experience, like who thought it up and what it was like. Yeah, the, you, you mean the living room tours, right? Is yeah, that, correct. Yeah, so those are, well, a company called Undertow Music uh, came up with the idea initially. And my buddy Dave Bazan, who played in a band called Pedro the Lion in Seattle, uh, is what he's most well known for. Um, he's the one who told me about it and he put me in touch with the undertow guys and basically um, they just reach out. We come up with a routing, like where we want to go to try to do these shows. Um, and we put that up on the internet and I, I put it out on all my channels to my fans and then they respond with, you know, just anybody who wants to host a show can send over an email and uh, some pictures of their living room. And, you know, these shows aren't what you might imagine. Like a, we're not looking for like punk basements, you know, or like a house party <laughs> or something. It's yeah, not. Yeah. It's not like that. It's a little bit more, you know. It's a little more grown up and a little more. We're uh, talking just, charcuterie board, a cheese plate, some <laughs> bottles of wine. <laughs> yeah, more more like that. Just a little bit more mellow, and uh, you know, just uh, uh, it's very focused on the songs and and the music itself. It just that's one of the things I love about it is that it cuts out all the distractions. And so, you know, just to explain the process, like the people send over the, um, an email if they want to host and then we pick all the hosts, um, and then line up the routing and then they're all ticketed online. So it's, it's $20 a ticket and people, uh, the people who host the shows don't have to deal with any money at all. That's all handled through the website, through undertow. And, uh, they've gone really well for me. Like I just, you know, usually we're, we sell like 30 to 50 tickets for each show. Mm -hmm. you know, so it's a super intimate gathering. And um, the nice thing about it is it's just, just people there who are really interested in the music and just want to hear the songs. And uh, so, 
you know, it's, it's, it's super intimate and organic. And, you know, I think that's the way, at least guitar, songs that are written on the acoustic guitar, that's the way they're originally intended to be heard. So that's I just, so I really cool, love man. it. Yeah. Hopefully yeah, you do another one soon and I can go to that. That sounds absolutely amazing. Yeah. It's really cool. Well, I hope, uh, I'm, I don't know when I'm going to do another one of those. I don't have anything on the books yet, but, um, but they've been a wonderful experience for me. I know Dave loves doing them too. Like once, I think of the, course you, you the, know him, by the way. Like, talk about another person who's uh, just such an amazing lyricist and everything. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's great. We we kind of started out together in Seattle, and uh, yeah, he we played some of I played some of my first few shows with Pedro the Lion uh, around Seattle, and yeah, he's just he's still going strong. He's doing a lot of the living room shows these days, and I think you know he just discovered it as a way to really connect with his fans and. Um, you know, it's just, uh, it's a great experience for everybody who does it. Yeah. So although that would obviously be the main reason is to have this nice intimate experience with your fans, just so other musicians out there, if they're curious, what is the pay like that uh, for a show like that versus the pay for, you know, playing a regular venue. And I guess conversely, maybe the, the stress for you, the artist doing a show like that versus a regular venue. Yeah, you know, I mean, it depends on where you set your ticket price and everything, but I think, um, you know, and, and depends on the size of the artist you are, like what size clubs you're playing and all of that. So I guess it would vary depending on, like, you know, somebody's specific career. Um, but it's definitely worth doing, you know, and if you have a fan base and you can, and you can do that and you can engage them in the, those kind of shows, it's definitely worth it if you if, if you're not paying a full band and getting in a bus and you know if it's just a, a couple guys in a car and the overhead's low then you can't actually make money doing that kind of small show intimate experience um but you know when it comes to that kind of thing it's it's so specific like everybody spends different amounts to get around and has different kind of um you know expectations for how they want to live on the road and in a, in a tour bus, it wouldn't it wouldn't make any sense, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I don't know if that even answers the question. But you know, I, I, the way I do it, it works out really well, and I I definitely appreciate all the fans that are you know open to hosting shows for me in their home, and you know, I just I travel solo or with one other person and just you know play those shows, and it's it's real simple, just totally back to basics, and. Uh, but I, there's things, there's pros and cons, you know. I mean, I, I, it relieves a lot of the stress, but I love the excitement of the club shows too. And, and this tour that I'm on right now with um, Dave Haas and Chris Farron, there are other songwriters who are um, supporting me on this tour, and, and um, it's a, it's a blast, you know. So that part is, is nice about doing club shows. It's, a, it's, a, it's just like a bigger experience with more energy. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, one one last question uh, before you give us some of your upcoming tour dates and stuff like that. If you could just tell us, how do you feel that having chose this career path has changed you as a person? What are some of the most major changes that you think have happened in your life? You know, I feel like for me, uh, probably the biggest thing is just um, because I've struggled with it. I've struggled with depression. I've struggled with um maybe not being totally self-confident and um, not being totally sure if I was on the right path. I think even just over the last couple of years, for me, I've become really sure of my sense of purpose with it. And like, 
you know, I've learned so much and grown so much just from traveling. So like seeing so many different places, different cultures all over the world now. Um, and so in that way, I feel like it's been really enlightening. Um, but, um, if anything, I feel like I'm just, you know, I'm just more excited about, about, um, having new experiences and, and really my priorities are different. You know, I just, I just want to connect with people and it's all about the art for me. Um, I don't know if that, that would be different for somebody who has a different kind of, you know, career, but I, I feel like when you get, get that, it's sort of similar for everyone just being, you know, it's kind of the human experience. Like whenever you find out what it is you really want to do and then you go do it, like that's, that's really, I think that's a big part of growing up and becoming an adult, whether you're a musician or you make furniture, you know, it's like, it's just figuring out what that thing is that makes you happy and then finding a way to do it. You yeah, know, it's creative definitely. and that you can, you can make money, you can, you know, uh, pay all your bills and take care of your family, whatever, whatever it is that you have to do on that side of things. But, um, you know, I, I don't know if that totally answers the question, but for me, I feel like I finally found that with this record and, and with what I'm doing. So I'm really excited about the future and just, you know, continuing to make albums. That's so wonderful, man. That <laughs> I, I love that. That's just great. Um, so yeah, uh, why don't you tell us on the, uh, on the West coast specifically, what kind of dates you got coming up? I know you have a show out here in San Francisco. What, what day is that going to be? Yeah. So I'm, let's see, I start up, we get to the West coast on Thursday, August 20th. We, We'll be in San Diego, and then we come up. Um, looks like we'll be up to so L.A. at the Troubadour on Tuesday the 25th, and then the next night, Wednesday, August 26th, we'll be in San Francisco at the Independent. So hopefully we'll get to meet in person that night. I yeah. don't know if you're around. but <laughs> I will absolutely be there. So, yeah, for cool. anybody that's in the Bay Area, come out. You can say hi to me. You can say hi to Rocky. It'll be freaking awesome. Yeah, I love that venue. It's a beautiful place, and uh, they've got a gr- really great sound system, and I always really love playing there. So, um, yeah, sent, uh, Wednesday the 26th at the Independent, and then there's just a couple more shows, uh, Portland and Seattle, and I'm playing with uh, with Dave Haas, who is from Philadelphia, incredible singer-songwriter with a couple really great albums out, and then Chris Farron is opening up the shows, and he was in a band called Fake Problems, but he's just incredible. Like I'm, I'm super proud of this tour package that I'm on. Like the guys are, it's really inspiring to watch them every night, and uh, it's really fun. Like they're, they're jokesters, comedians, and songwriters. So <laughs> that's so cool, man. Yeah. I can't wait to see it, and I can't, uh, I can't wait to hear you play the new album live. Cool, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to to getting back to the West Coast. Yeah, so I will. Um, I'll go ahead and put links to um, you know all the tour dates and your site and the album and to Dave Haas and Chris Farron and everything on the website on Half Hour Intern. So if you guys are driving or something and you didn't write all that down, just go over to Half Hour Intern and you can get links to all of that. Uh, Rocky, man, thank you again so much. It's so cool. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. See you, Blake. Hey guys, it's Blake. I hope you liked the episode and enjoyed learning a little bit about what it's like to be a full-time touring musician. If you like awesome music and you like going out to shows, definitely go and check out Rocky on his current U.S. tour. Also, if you like the interview, be sure to subscribe to the show so you can hear what it's like to be anything from a vascular surgeon all the way to a cap behavior consultant. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it and I love you all.